Freedom Mirror is a community for entrepreneurs and business owners that gives you the tools and the system to create a new revenue stream online through high commission sales with automation and huge passive potential. With TFE, you can forget about small margins and small commissions and learn how to make five figures in seven sales or less. To find out how to set up your freedom business, check out the free training at brendandmurphy.com income. Right, hello and welcome to this episode of Truthiverse. This week I'm joined by my fellow truth seeker and, well, he's a pioneer in the field of sound healing and DNA activation, also a pioneering artist, very well recognized, internationally respected artist, Sol Luckman. Sol, good to have you here, mate. Thanks for having me, Brendan. It's uh, nice to catch up a little bit. We were catching up before we came on air. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's good. To, we don't get to do it a lot, but um, this is a good chance, and it'll be a, a slightly uh, longer, longer version of a catch-up, which is good. Um, and you've just published a book, which is about the fallen goddess, and so apparently this is this is really catching on, and we're going to talk about that and dig into it. So, Sol, <clears throat> which I should have mentioned, was uh, also a, a very respected author and writer, and he's got several books out there which I recommend, including um, Conscious Healing and Potentiate Your DNA. And so this latest one is about the fallen goddess. Let's let's dig into that. So um, where would you like to start? Maybe, I mean, how did you end up writing about this in the first place? Well, I, I'll be happy to, to speak to that. I, I wanted to say the book is actually not published yet. It's, it's going to be officially released on Sunday or, or the 20th uh, in, the, in our hemisphere. Um, so that's the solstice and i thought if you're going to write a book on the goddess you you need to release it either on the solstice or the equinox there's just no no ifs ands and buts about it yeah okay fitting very fitting all right so it's not quite released yet it's about to be released <laughs> right right so people have been reading uh galleys galley copies and and excerpts and listening to interviews about it i've given a, a, a huge number of interviews i just interviewed with chef pete last week and He's going to be putting that up in the next day or two. That was really fun. And awesome. uh, gosh, Michael Jaco and I had a great conversation. Mark Atwood, uh, Nicholas Vinyaman. It's been great. I mean, it's, the interest has been very encouraging. And and the the um, just the comments that I've gotten from the interviews and from people reading the excerpts and dipping their toes in this concept, I, I realized that I, you know there's some energy in this, and it's it's pretty darn exciting. Mm, for sure. For sure. So tell us about what's the, the thrust of the of the book and we'll, we'll dig into like the, the, the nitty gritty of it. But yeah, give us the broad strokes of it. All right. So uh, the backstory is that it came to me in a very strange way in late 2019. I've told the story a number of times. So if you've heard this before, forgive me. But I, I went to bed one night and I, I remember being kind of tired. I wanted to get some sleep and instead of sleeping, I felt like I was plugged into a, an electrical socket. And I began just downloading this entire novel plot. And it was a, about, of all insanely timed things, a, a viral pandemic resulting in mass vaccination, which I call jackination in the novel, giving way to mass illness and death and ultimately a kind of dystopian future. And that all came through to me in 2019 before COVID even broke in the West. Wow. Okay. So that I was working on this book as the scandemic happened. 
and literally responding to it in real time or, or observing it in real time, I already had the plot. <laughs> yeah. I was literally writing it as it happened. Wow. And so uh, complete with, I mean, the same kind of, uh, you know, induced genocide, induced genocide we're seeing, all of it. Uh, and, you know, I, I do have a witness that, that this was the case. Lee, my partner, uh, whom you know, uh, I told her the whole story the following day as we had a bike ride. She was amazed. She was, uh, she had, she was kind of flabbergasted that all of this came through in one night. And she knew me and I, I began writing it and uh and stayed pretty faithful to that it was a different writing experience for me i i over the years i've gotten a little more relaxed in where and how i can write i'm very noise sensitive so so it was really odd that i i could write this one sort of in the melee of the kitchen table with a homeschooling son and business going on and everything in the world <laughs> so i, I just, just came streaming out it was the most effortless thing and you know, it didn't even take that long to write a chapter. And then I would, I would read it to Lee very often right then and there or, or later. And she was like, oh my God, that's incredible. It just keeps coming out of you. I can't believe it. So that was a, an interesting experience, just the, how it came through. And then the actual experience of writing it, it took me in, in the neighborhood of a year uh, to finish it. And I, I, I've said before that, that I believe that uh, that Callie the Destroyer, and that's Callie with a C, by the way, not not a K. Callie the Destroyer has the potential to, to, to come to be regarded as a historically significant novel. And that's not because I, I wrote it or even because of its literary quality, which nevertheless, I think is pretty good. But it highlights a, a, a little known yet extremely important fact. And that's that its primary subject involves the single most censored story in the history of humanity. And, and obviously, you know, we have to go, well, what's this most censored story? <laughs> <laughs> right. So I was just pausing, you know, give me a little, give me a little, uh, throw me a phone, you know, Brendan. Um, that is the Gnostic telling of what I contend could very well be the true nature and origins of the earth and humanity. According to uh, John Lamb Lash, who wrote uh, a wonderful book several years ago called Not in His Image, he first retold this, this story in the modern era, this narrative, the fallen goddess scenario, uh, scenario is what he calls it. Mm -hmm. And he claims that this is the real reason for the holy wars, the inquisitions against uh, pagans and goddess worshiping and shamanic peoples everywhere that has resulted in you know a genocide count if you look up look over the years a genocide count that's probably in the high millions mm. right so it, this was the most not just censored but the most dangerous story to even know anything about definitely yep 100 percent. and it also seems to be i would offer it may very well be the real reason that genocide, the, the assisted variety is still happening right now with what's going on here with operation, what I call operation warped speed, <laughs> yeah. right? And this whole goddess thing is, I call it a rabbit hole full of rabbit holes. And what it does is it, it, it singles out, I'm gonna, I'm gonna contend it singles out the source of evil as we experience it. There's a whole, you know, uh, uh, subdivision of theology called uh, ponderology, which is the study of evil. 
And to me, the goddess, the fallen goddess scenario uh, tells a, what I would consider a plausible story for what evil actually is on earth. Okay. And who, who our real enemies are, who are the, who are the puppet masters manipulating the strings of monarchies and governments and corporations and religions and armies in order to coordinate this multi-generational, multi-millennial inhuman agenda sub to subjugate and eventually destroy us. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I guess you're leading into the Archon, uh, the Archontic discussion. Absolutely. I mean, we, we say things like deep state or new world order, cabal, Illuminati, and people sling these words around. And most of the time, they don't even know really what they mean anymore. They've gotten to be almost uh, just watered down terms. But, but they do they do point at who who the controllers are, even if we don't even if these are shadowy people, the deep state, the the uh, invisible enemy, whatever you want to call it. Mm. But, to, but to these ancient Gnostic um, people, who's, uh, some of whose texts were rediscovered in the 1940s in, in a cave, in, or in a, well, yeah, it was a kind of cave in Nagamati, Egypt, uh, the, the Gnostics' teachings were so threatening to the early Catholic Church, and, and I would say presumably true for that reason, <laughs> they were systematically destroyed until they were basically erased from our collective memory. But for the Gnostics, the, the ultimate powers behind the terrestrial tyrants that we might be able to identify are called archons. Now, a lot of people have probably heard of that term, and there's a lot of disagreement over what it means, because it can mean just leader. Yeah, yeah. Or a government official or that kind of thing. But I would point out that government itself means something to govern the mind. Yeah, yeah. According to John Lash, the archons are the ultimate mind parasites. They have the, they're these extraterrestrial beings, entities, that have the ability to enter the human mind and essentially infect it to the extent that people become archontified. And then they go about fulfilling the agenda of the archons, which is anti-human and transhuman in the extreme. So when we look at the leaders that have been so-called leaders that have been flushed out of their, their, their comfort zone and forced to reveal their true nature in this whole thing that we've been living through for the last year and a half, I would say those are archontified people. Because I don't even think they're people anymore, to be totally honest. Not in any meaningful sense. No, no, that's right. Not in, in the sense of, you know, a human who's connected to their heart and their intelligence and intuition. Right. And that's what really, you know, means something. They're basically transmogrified, transhumanized tools of an extraterrestrial binary intelligence. Mm -hmm. When you say an extraterrestrial binary intelligence, can you, can you flesh that out a bit for us? Yeah, sure. Um, I, this is a quote I, I read recently. It's from the books. So give you a little sneak peek of the of the book. Uh, the The main character is is Callie, and the the plot takes place. Uh, the The story takes place in a futuristic dystopian society that happens if we don't correct what's going on right now. That's the whole concept. Callie is a teenager. She's uh, 15, turning 16. She's a huge pop star in this world that's sort of a, 
Hunger Games-esque society, uh, w w throw in some Handmaid's Tale and maybe some other dystopian, you know, Fahrenheit this and, you know, uh, Brave New World that, and you, you, you end up with this, this, this world that I've created. <clears throat> and she's having a, Callie's having a conversation with someone whose name will have to remain, uh, she'll have to remain anonymous because that would give too much away, but I'm going to read this little conversation between the two. So, um, uh, so this person that she's speaking to is, says that the Illuminati are the willing, no, this is, all right. The Illuminati are the willing terrestrial servants of the Lord Archon, who demands everything from pedophilia and child sacrifice to war and chaos as offerings that create louche. And then Callie says, never heard of it. <laughs> Lush is a hyperdimensional energy given off by the human soul when traumatized. The archons parasitically feed on it. Think of it as their simulacrum of kundalini. Why is seemingly everything the archons do counterfeit? Because they lack the capacity to create anything truly original. In their insane jealousy, they can only mimic the divinely instilled creative capacity of the anthropos, which is the Gnostic term for the human the human race, basically. So are the Illuminati still technically even human? That is a probing question. If the definition of a human is a child of the goddess in possession of an immortal soul and the ability to invent, the answer would most certainly be no. And then I'm going to skip down. And Kelly asks, don't the Illuminati realize they're just pawns in someone else's game? Even if they realize this, I will wager they are beyond caring. They have been completely integrated into the AI. The AI. The artificial intelligence. This is another term for the archontic hive mind. It is a binary operating system that imitates the many shades of gray characteristic of human intelligence, only to end up a circumscribed parody of it that processes everything strictly in terms of black and white. Good versus evil? Man versus woman, rich versus poor, east versus west, liberal versus conservative, take your pick. Anytime you see dichotomies that ignore the human experiment's infinite nuances, you can be certain you are encountering the archontic mind. 